Living a well-balanced lifestyle goes beyond ensuring your finances are in order. Welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara speaks with wellness industry leaders and related professionals to share more than financial planning advice. She addresses your questions about living a healthy lifestyle at any age. Learn how to gracefully maneuver life's challenges with support and resources to guide you along the way. Barbara and the team at Hightower help you make a plan, make an investment, and make a difference in your own wealth and well-being, and in your families, and within your community. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with your host, Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara, how are you? I am terrific, Eric. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. It has been a few weeks since you and I have spoken, and I know you've got a lot going on in your life, and you've got a guest on the show. What are you guys going to be talking about today? Well, we are having a guest on the show going to focus on caregiving tipping points. And this is where we're going to address, have you ever wondered what crisis will be a tipping point for caring for a loved one? A physical challenge, safety challenges, or behavioral challenges? So we're looking wow. forward to really addressing a lot of these and how to prepare before that dreaded call or a crisis happens. Yeah, th this is going to be very, very impactful. Who did you bring on the show to join you? Well, today we have Min Sent. And MIM is a co-founder of Global Women for Wellbeing, a nonprofit organization which focuses on research for women's health and well-being issues to help the next generation of women become leaders in business and their communities. And MIM is also the president and CEO of Motivity Partnerships, Inc., providing corporate wellness programs with over 20 years of experience in project management, benefits design, and wellness programs. As a co-founder of Motivity Care, we will hear how this organization helps to address the stress and frustration caused by caregiving management. So I want to introduce Mim, who is also a certified worksite wellness specialist through the National Wellness Institute. She sits on their board and is a member of the Global Wellness Institute's Future of Well Work Initiative. Welcome, Mim. Thank you so much for having me. I should say I'm a former board member of National Wellness Institute. <laughs> okay but still very close to that organization. And and I also have an insurance background, so wow. in uh, benefits underwriting and property casualty management. So a little, little eclectic. So you've covered both sides. I have. <laughs> so I know you're very well prepared for this, but before we get started, can you please share your story on how you became interested in designing these programs to help people prepare for and deliver quality care? Certainly. I think there's this kind of a two-pronged answer. First, uh, having worked with 75 plus companies over the course of my career on corporate health and well-being and looking at claims costs, turnover costs, and then breaking that down through the demographics through an age lens, a gender lens, the diversity lens, it became clearer and clearer to me that care was having a huge impact on the workplace and uh, specifically had a, having a bigger impact on women and people of diverse backgrounds. So the more we dove into this, the more we started to see how fragmented really the resources were. And then it is my own personal story. So I have had the great honor, really, and I do believe that, of taking care of and being the primary caregiving decision maker 
for my dad through pancreatic cancer, my husband, who was in a hit and run accident and was mm. that was a very upending day and week and several months after that. I can only imagine, my God. Yeah. And uh, my stepdad, my mother-in-law, uh, my father-in-law. So this is personal to me and to my business partner, uh, Karina Mueller, who also comes from a very strong corporate international background, but has been the caregiver for her grandparents and most recently for her mother through cancer. Gosh, it sounds like a lot of women are in the caregiving business besides their full-time jobs. Yes. <laughs> and and that is part of the, the big issue. We did at Global Women for Wellbeing, again, it's nonprofit. We did some research back in 2017, 2018. And the question was, with all this push, great work around trying to get uh, more women into the leadership pipeline from all backgrounds. Sure. Um, what are we missing here? Because we're mentoring, we're trying to get pay equity, we're trying to do all these things. And based on research literature reviews, caregiving, so caregiving for children, caregiving for adults, or both, and yourself is one of the key issues that is getting in the way of gender equity leadership. Well, Mim, I will tell you, Eric and I recently had a conversation about the sandwich generation, mm -hmm. and he termed it the club sandwich generation, because we've read that over 65 million caregivers are working besides their jobs oftentimes in America. 65 million. Right. And, it's and astounding. I would take it one step further. I, uh, I describe it as the vice generation because of the amount of pressure that is put on that person. Uh, and, yes. you know, with children, and again, there are surprises that come up with kids. Anybody who's raised kids, had kids, been um, the mom or dad, or, you know, stepped into that role as the auntie, whoever it is, the grandparent raising the child. Sure. But there are different types of stressors when you start to care for an aging loved one, whether that's a spouse somebody that goes through a sudden accident and now has a very different life path or what most of us are going to deal with is to caring for an older loved one probably a parent or maybe it was your favorite aunt um, it could be a neighbor and then you know, possibly eventually a spouse yes yep 100%. well and i can feel your pain when you talk about caring for so many family members I think we discussed this. My father also had pancreatic cancer when my children were younger, and I was actually in a building my business at that time, as well as, you know, trying to care for my father at a distance. So I was flying back and forth and assisting my mother, who was also still working. And then now my mother at 94, we're going through all the different stages that I know I'm looking forward to speaking with you about from getting that first phone call when she's hospitalized and all the different steps in between there and memory care today. So yeah, it's, we've got a lot it, to talk about. <laughs> it, it is. And I think, you know, and I think it gets to the point of why this becomes so overwhelming so quickly. We think we're prepared. We think yeah, okay, well, this is, I'm, I'm capable, I'm smart, I can manage all the pieces of the puzzle. But something that I know you and I have had a lot of conversation about is this misunderstanding of the amount of time yes. it truly takes. And so when we're talking about um, caregiving decision making, we're not actually talking about the person like the aide that's, you know, maybe feeding somebody or giving the medication. 
We're talking about the day in, day out decision making that has to happen, doctor's appointments, and what kind of aid if you need to get one in. Is the house getting cleaned? If somebody goes in, is there a pet? What kind of insurance is in place? Do we have the legal documents in place? Oh my gosh, who is mom's doctor for this? Does she have a neighbor that comes in that can check on the house if they're not there? Like, right. it, yeah. <laughs> Who's mowing the lawn? Who's cutting the hedges? Who's washing the windows? Who's doing all the things that mom probably took care of? Right. A hundred percent. And unfortunately, look, all of us want to stay independent. We do. I mean, that's that's a goal. I think it's very difficult for any of us to look at a capable parent or even to look at our own lives and and say, oh, no, I'll do that later. I'll I'll take care of that. You know, it's not really time yet for me to think about those things. But I think what you alluded to this tipping point call, which is what we call it, too, is unfortunately that dose of cold water. And our goal is to get you more prepared before that happens. Because if you have those foundational pieces of the puzzle in place, and really, that's from a 360 viewpoint. So what does the person who's making decisions for you have to know medically? And I mean, things like is English your first language? Are you a morning person? Are you an introvert extrovert? What foods do you prefer? Because in a medical situation where you can't speak for yourself, this goes beyond mm. just your medical history, and um, really can be invaluable over the counter drugs. These are just practical things. Legally, you know, do you have um, power of attorney in place for right. medical decisions and financial decisions? Do you have an up-to-date will? Do you, Do you have, have health care directives? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then there's the financial piece, too. So I was just talking to somebody recently, didn't even think about this. Okay, dad goes in, is going through, was hit by a drunk driver. So just out of the blue, tipping point call, very capable, very successful man, now suddenly is not the person he was just a few mm. minutes ago, unfortunately. So and she's now about six, eight weeks into this um, journey. And she said, I try to get money transferred, right? We just want to pay the bills. Sure. And now and we have no idea what to do, like, they won't talk to us. We don't, you know, I said, so we're, it's shepherding through, but you can see why taking the time to do this in advance is truly a gift. So that when you do have that tipping point call, you have the information, the documentation at your fingertips. You're not scrambling, running around, spending hours and hours tracking this stuff down. You now have more time to focus on that person. Absolutely. But having those documents ready and available at any age is important. You mentioned yes. it was a car accident. Right. I mean, at any age, we could be in this situation. So the more documentation, it. the better. I cannot. And yes, it is my own cautionary tale. I mean, I will tell you that I was working, it was a Friday afternoon in the summer, and I see this 212 number. I'm about 60 miles northwest of New York City. My husband was at a business meeting in New York City. 212, pick it up. Hi, social worker from New York Presbyterian Hospital. Do you know this person? Uh, yes. Well, we have him here. He's been in an accident. We're evaluating him. Um, how quickly can you get here? Okay. I'm going to take a little bit. I have to drive into the city. Can I talk to him, please? Uh, he cannot speak. Uh, again, oh, we're evaluating him. We're probably taking him into surgery. Please keep your phone open. Please get here as fast as possible. So this is not a 90-year-old man. This right. is not a slip and fall. Um, 
And as somebody, even in my, when I'm an administrative like guru and everything is in place and I know what to do, and, but the emotional piece that goes along with this can get in the way. And I also, had I had a lot of those things in place at that time, it would have been a whole lot easier. And so part of my passion for this, having gone through this so many times, I have a family member that didn't have a will. That was not a whole lot of fun. No, let me tell that you. That is and, not fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know. We've helped settle those estates. That's ugly. Oh, and it, it's, it's lengthy. Painful. And I think the other piece of this is the emotional look. Not everybody's family communicates well together or agrees on everything. And so this is another practical reason for you to have all these things in place so that your wishes are carried out. Absolutely. But that's where people such as you and like our wealth advisory teams make such good partners because we also make sure things are titled properly, beneficiaries are established properly, the legal documents are up to date, etc. And I know we have a vault for people, but maybe you can share what you have that's all packaged. And I remember going through it with you and you have terrific questions. <laughs> I'm asking about a pet. I mean, what's what needs to be taken care of if someone is incapable of doing so? What's the pet's name? What do they eat? I don't know. What's the vet? Who's the dog walker? Who's the, uh, right? All the little right. Little, yeah, and we did our approach to this again. Part of it is our really years of working with different types of technologies. So I will say first and foremost, one of the things that you need to be very careful of is security. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you have it in a Dropbox or you have it, you know, somewhere stored online, there's a couple of problems. One is potential hacking around it. Two is it's either all or nothing. Somebody has access to all information or no information. Right. Or three, I've heard, oh, yeah, I have it all set up. And I said, okay, but if you couldn't talk for yourself, who knows how to get in there to get this? You know, Thank was the you. other question. <laughs> And it's usually not as comprehensive. So we started out saying, how can we help people quickly in 15 minutes understand what they have in place and what they don't have a place and that it's personalized for them? Because again, if I'm 50, that's a little different than if I'm 70 sure. or if I'm 85 or if I'm taking care of somebody and that at a different age. So it's important that it's also not just what information like a giant list, but it, that it, you understand what's important for your life and your situation. What we then do and what we got really excited about is the ability then to help you put in place that 360 view, medical, legal, financial, personal, wishes, um, things that you may not have in a will, grandma's favorite recipe, the heart pieces, as we call them, to us are just as important as putting in things like your favorite music. Why? Because favorite music is one of those things that unlocks memory for people that have memory loss. Absolutely. And the time to do it is now, not when you have memory loss. <laughs> so, well, um, I'll be sure to put in Van the Man for my husband, Van oh, Morrison. Yep, that'll bring him back. There, see, there so, you go. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's those, and we've spent a lot of time with people from all different backgrounds. So lawyers, the wonderful people at Hightower, really digging into the different pieces of the puzzle because our really our collective goal here is to make sure that you have what you need when at your fingertips 
particularly in those tipping point situations. So that's so lovely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of those tipping points. Some of the things that come up that people go, oh, and this will tell them how they have to be prepared. Um, We're used to the things where someone falls, right? right? That's a real common one. But let's talk about some of the other ones that people don't really think about. And besides it happening, what can they do to maybe help prevent or minimize the pain that it goes that even the caregiver is going to go through? So I really appreciate and and I like the term care partner. I like that because it is two people or three people or multiple people are care partners, depending on what the situation is. So it could be an early Alzheimer's um, diagnosis, completely unexpected, suddenly somebody that's 55 or 60. And that's scary to think about. You know, I highly encourage people to look at your your family medical history. And it doesn't mean necessarily that you're that's going to be you. It, It probably underscores for you some of the things that you need to be aware of. Are there more heart conditions in your family? Or is there more cancer or types of cancer? So just like the the health and well-being platform kind of world that I come out of, there is the practical side of having all the key information that you may need, all the basics of health and well-being for both the person you're caring for and yourself also apply. Enough sleep, healthy eating, getting exercise, social connection. I cannot overemphasize this piece and it does not get talked about enough. So do you think that even though we all want to stay independent, is there maybe a time in life when it's better to be in a community where if someone feels very isolated and alone, they may have someone coming in to assist them, but they're feeling cordoned off from all of their social connections? Well, certainly uh, COVID has kind of put that front and center for most of us. Yeah, anybody who um, has studied social psychology, any of these pieces, there is a clear connection to our health and well-being, our mental and physical health and well-being, and social connection. Now, that means, again, there's no one size fits all here. So if you are more introverted, that may mean a couple of very close uh, friends that you have. It's not doesn't mean that you have 50 or 60, you know, you don't need sure. that, those big groups of people. But if you're in the opposite end of that spectrum, and you are a true extrovert, you know, having that social connection and figuring out safe and healthy ways to stay involved with people is so key. But I would like anything on an arc, you're, most of us are somewhere in the middle, we, we kind of fall in the middle there. Sure. And it is something to be aware of as we get older. Look, if you have an older parent or loved one, the reality is a lot of folks that they may have grown up with that are good friends um, mm-hmm. are no longer here, right? They're just gone. So they don't necessarily have people to share common stories with. Do you remember when stories? Because a lot of people around them don't. So I think just the awareness around that. Well, uh, and also family members, right? Family members don't necessarily live down the block anymore, right? No. They're gone. They live in another city, another state, another country. And so having that ability, even if it's FaceTiming, seems to have some positive effects. It, it absolutely does. I mean, do I think that Zoom fully replaces human connection and human contact? Mm. Absolutely not. But it is um, it is definitely helpful. Uh, and don't underestimate the power of pets. And I realize that pets are not for everybody, but uh, there is so much good research around the healing 
that pets bring for aging people. Like even if you, so if you have a really well, I'm going to say well-trained, I'm going to say it, (laughs) well-trained, friendly dog or cat or bird or goat. I mean, I've seen all kinds of things, right? And, and it's, it, you may be surprised if you can bring them for a visit to a loved one, that it's kind of interesting. And, you know, we're thinking outside the box or programs that bring in pets. Obviously, you have to worry about allergies, and I get all of that. But there is real wisdom in therapy animals. And um, it may sound like a lot of work to have a pet for somebody who can't do everything. And yet you might want to balance that with the mental health and well-being benefits that come along with that. Sure. Good advice. Good advice. It's interesting. We talked just briefly about Alzheimer's. So any type of dementia, any type of anything that would affect someone to wander. I just read an article about an eight-year-old boy who was concerned about his grandmother who had wandered off. And he just made what he called the D-shoe, a detective shoe, which has an alarm in the sneakers. And he won an event in California. But he said, gee, Dad, you can push a button and find your car. Let's push a button and find Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Well, kudos to him. Isn't that cute? I just thought, oh, my gosh. Well, and I think, yeah, and it really gets to some of the really interesting technology that's out of there. Unfortunately, you know, I think there is a lot of bias against aging. Mm-hmm. And we either think that we're like this, we're healthy, we're good, we're fine. And then there's some like tipping point, you know, we're magically now this can happen, obviously, if you're in an accident or whatever. But the reality is for most of us, this is a gradual process. And so I think there are two things about this. First, finding the kinds of technologies, services, pieces of the puzzle that fit best for you and your experience. I think that, you know, there is no one size fits all. We, we think of, I'm sorry, terrible commercial, I fall and I can't get up. We think of this, but there are so many really cool options, like the sneaker you just talked about. Right. Or something that looks very much like a bracelet. It does not look like some big clunky thing. So thinking through what that means, but even things like hearing loss. Oh my gosh, yes. So there are And the all impact kinds of, of that. Oh, cognitively huge. It actually will accelerate uh, dementia and some of these other things if it doesn't get caught. But even for quality of life, and look, as we age, a couple things, you know, you're hearing, get it tested. Put it just like you get a physical, get a baseline. I mean, maybe you went to a lot of rock concerts when you were younger, (laughs) just saying. (laughs) Or you put the earphones in like when we were blasting things as youngsters. But eyesight as well. Macular degeneration, you know, the loss of sight. Right. And even if you don't have that, as you age, your ability to process light, so getting more light into hallways, these are practical things about if you're going to age in place that you have to think about. It isn't just about, is it a handicapped, accessible bathroom? It's um, those kinds of things. How wide are the hallways? How much light is there? If you Good have point. Removing light. rugs. Let's not trip. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Scary. Right. We don't think about... Um, you know, those things. And again, practically, I've seen my own family members, right, that pretty good most of the time, but then late at night, they've taken a sleeping pill, their brains are not working, they heard something, it triggers something, you find them in the kitchen doing something they should not be doing. And they really, like, they're just in another place. And it's, 
so these kinds of electronic devices, like I've seen where you can put a, a pad on a bed. So, and they're chimes, they're not alarms, which I think right. is also very important. Something that is caring and loving for that person, that is a whole person. That is not a child. Right. But still right. door alarms too. I mean, I've heard those have been very helpful. Absolutely. So. But you can start to see, like, is it a hoarder situation? Is it right. somebody that if you lived far away, and I can tell you firsthand, we've been working with a family. The mom is super independent. She does have memory loss. She was told this, diagnosed with it several years ago. She fired her doctor. Oh, great. Did not tell her children. <laughs> she and didn't now, like the answer, so she got rid of them. No, she didn't. And um, But now they're in a situation where it becomes all hands on deck, and we've got to get everybody sure. on board and taking video of what that house looks like. Her taxes weren't paid for three years. And again, you talk to her, and she may sound totally capable, but that's where you want to have some open share dialogue. I also would say the practical pieces around this, every state is different in how they deal with Medicaid and how they look at your finances, if you're going to start tapping into these services for aging. And so one of the things that I am very big on, and particularly through this financial planning lens, sure, is you need to have a thorough conversation with somebody in your state where that person is going to live. So if you're doing it for mom and she's in Florida and you live in Chicago, you need an attorney in Florida. Absolutely. It's really key. And what is the difference between the different types of trusts to protect money? How far is that look back period? What does it really mean for the family and for that person? And, you know, worst case scenario, New Jersey and New York are completely different. And that's why that state specific advice is pretty key. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And you had mentioned um, the woman that had fired her doctor. Yes. So it's one of the other things that I think people have to be sensitive to, and that's any behavioral changes, whether they become more non-communicative or they become a little more aggressive. Those are some of the subtle changes that we've seen in the past with people as well. Just changes in personality. Yeah, 100%. And I would say, interestingly enough, in this particular case, it was the financial advisor, seriously, who was much more attuned and on these group calls saying, I've absolutely seen cognitive decline. I've actually gone in and told your mother she cannot afford to do certain things. And so, you know, and I, again, I'm not a financial advisor, so I'm not going to say what, sure. <laughs> what that means. But that caring piece of saying to somebody, you worked all your life, they are not in the same place noticing that reactive piece. But in, in my own personal case, and my mom, thank God, is doing very well, and she's healthy and active, and she's 85. I know her financial advisor. I know Mark very well. And super helpful, has no problem with us getting, again, with my mother's permission. But these are some of the things that are so important. If you know for sure that you're going to be a caregiver, if you are the executor on the will for your parents, if you are the POA, then it's these kinds of introductions you want. And so, Mim, I will tell you, we always encourage the children to get to know the advisor. Because with the parents and the next generation, we know they will have some responsibilities, whether it's from a caregiving standpoint or when they inherit money. So the more they understand the situation, the better for all involved. Yeah, and I think... I think, too, when we talk about financial planning, there's two other kind of um, 
more niche areas that I think in the caregiving context are really important. One would be if you have an adult child that is, um, and I'm sorry for any, I say special needs, but a child that will never really work, a child that is nonverbal, a child that maybe has specific challenges, specific challenges, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason I know this is because I have a very, very good friend and the the kind of pre-planning, right? Because what happens if you're not there for that person? Sure. How much have you really planned out, not just financially, but who's making all those decisions if you as the parent are not doing it, I think is vitally important. I think it's interesting that for women in business, uh, there is a stat that I've read that 20% of top female executives are not married and don't have children. So if something happened to you, who is making those decisions for you? Who has your back? You've worked very hard for your career. You you could be top of your game. You could be traveling. You could be doing all these things. But you're in a different scenario than somebody that has um, potentially a full-time spouse who has the legal right to make certain decisions for you. And so, again, I'm very big on saying be prepared. Have those legal and financial documents ready and have them available. Yes. Well, you mentioned about professional women, but let's just talk women in general. Mm. So oftentimes, in addition to their jobs, there were some people have to stop working to do some of the care that they are offering. So what's the range of earnings lost in a lifetime? By a woman who chooses to do this. It really just makes me so sad. But for anybody who's concerned about financial stability and health and well-being for women, this is one of the key issues. So we are talking about from the time they start doing caregiving for that person to the time they actually leave um, over the course of their career is going to cost them anywhere between like four hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars. That's that's just so dramatic. That's That's, money they can't invest. It's not even just that amount. That's what's scary to me. It is scary because then their retirement's impeded. So it's, you know, it's not only that part, but when you think about the physical time and, and the emotional stress on someone, I mean, just lifting someone, if they do it inappropriately, how they can hurt themselves if they're not well-trained. Well, you're not trained, right? How many of us have gone through actual training to how to lift? Think about deadlifting 140 pounds, and that's a smaller person. What if dad is 210 or 250 pounds? Do you know how to use a Hoyer lift? Probably not. And as you said, and you touched on a little bit, there are two sides to this. There's the practical about how do I actually do this? It is also dealing with the emotions that come up because you may end up caring for somebody that you may not have a great relationship with. Good point. (laughs) Yeah. This, you know, suddenly it's somebody that you've kind of set your boundaries and you're both adults and now that parent is declining and suddenly you're thrown into a position where some of this stuff gets brought back up again for you emotionally. And I would highly recommend honoring that as a care partner as the person that's making those decisions and getting the support that you need, whether it is through trusted friends, it is through professionals. It a group online. Uh, we will provide at the end of this a resource list. So we will be able to help people search for a place where they might find a safe, good group with whom they can speak and connect as well. Right. So and- we have many, many 
connections here. And I would put that again through the, I am big on this, on the diversity lens, because caregiving through different lenses, whether if you are Hispanic, if you are black, if you are Asian, um, or come from these more different cultural backgrounds, caregiving is viewed differently in terms of you will tend to have more multi-generational households, or they won't necessarily put that person into, you know, a facility because it's culturally what they do. Not better or worse. I'm just saying it's an awareness thing of understanding where that person is and getting the right advice, what things come up for that person as a caregiver. And so I highly encourage you to look for resources that support your religious viewpoint, your geographic location. And we did, though we didn't talk about this, I do think it's important because I've heard this story from multiple professional women. I was at a big conference, it's just one example, and we were talking about this issue, women in caregiving. And she said, you know what, here I am at 55. I went through my entire 401k to take care of my mother. Oh, how sad. I will oh, never so be able sad. to retire. That's heartbreaking. It It is. And so again, my question to, to employers, to financial advisors is the time to, to be discussing this is not during the crisis. Right. It's thinking about the eventuality or what would happen or really understanding where mom is and protecting what money she has and understand that's where the strategy really comes in. And when you are in the middle of that crisis, that is not when you make the best decisions, unfortunately. Well, thank you for sharing all of that information because I know there are so many pieces that we just haven't even touched on, such as finding caregivers to help, evaluating care facilities, coordinating transportation and meals, and all of these all of things. That. Yes, I know. you. I wish yeah. I had met you five years ago when I was the juggler of these many items. So anything else we should touch on before we kind of summarize here and um, say that, you know, in the context of financial health and well-being and your own life, that they're, to recognize that caregiving can happen at any age. Caregiving is both for children as parents, as we touched on. But honestly, there are 18-year-olds taking care of grandparents. There are 32-year-olds taking care of parents that had them because they had them older in life. And so I think normalizing this idea that there are many more caregivers. Um, I also want to mention as a side note that when men, working men, become the primary caregiver, there is a whole different set of biases, hmm. uh, interestingly enough, that we have to address. Like, why isn't your sister doing that? That's women's work. Why wow. wouldn't you? So Yeah, uh, I have I read that it's, it is the daughter first, the daughter-in-law second, and the son third. That's the right. typical... Right. organizational structure. But when there is a man doing it, you know, I think as particularly if you're talking about this in the context of the workforce, it's just another biased conversation we need to have so that they are willing to talk uh, about it and get the right resources for themselves. Well, thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate that. We're back to diversity again, aren't we? So. <laughs> you got to recognize the diversity so that we can solve for everybody. Thank you so much. Well, Mim, I appreciate you taking the time. So I just heard from you, if we summarize this, to be as prepared as we can be with access to legal and financial documents and personal directions for home and health care, understanding what our loved one's wishes may be, and then researching using some website links we will put in our podcast notes 
or using a concierge service for finding caregivers or care communities and caregiving support groups. And obviously, I'm going to throw in here Motivity Care, who might make someone's life easier because, by golly, you certainly would have helped me. So as long as we're aware of those tipping points, whether they're physical, safety, and behavioral changes, the sooner we prepare for them, the better at any age. So, Mim, in closing, can you please share how you keep your well and wealthy? How I keep my well and wealthy for me personally? Yes, ma'am. Well, um, I have, and I do come out of the workplace health and well-being world, as you know. So um, I know that protecting my own health and well-being, and that includes financial well-being, is what allows me to be the best care partner for those in my life that I care for. And so I would encourage you to take that 360 view of your life. If like anyone, if I have an issue that comes up for me or emotionally I react to something is um, taking that mindful pause and asking yourself, why? Why am I reacting this way? Why Mm. am I not doing this? The mindful Uh, pause. I like that. So that I think the real gift is when you are prepared, and again, it's. It, I'm saying when these things happen, it's still going to be um, profound, you know, in terms of life changing. But by being prepared, you give yourself the gift of spending time with that person a whole lot more than doing things for that person and not being able to have those important conversations. And when you start getting into discussions around end of life, I cannot overemphasize how important that truly is. So from my perspective, my own caregiving hygiene, maybe I'll call it that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is vital to myself and my own world, but also it's a gift to the people that I love. That's wonderful. And we will have an end of life discussion in the future at one of our podcasts. So Ah. it's a hard discussion, but I think it's one worth having. So thank you, Mim, for educating us on caregiving tipping points and preparation. So if you visit motivitycare.com, you can read more about the breadth of services provided. So please download our podcast and look for Keeping the Well and Wealthy episodes. Look for the podcast notes for additional resources and connect with us at HightowerAdvisors.com and on social media. At Hightower, we help you make a plan, make an investment, and make a difference. Now go keep your well and wealthy and you can make a difference. Thank you. Mim, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Um, This is fantastic, incredible information. And the theme that I heard throughout is communication. And I just want to tell you just a quick story that affected my life in a powerful way because of having open communication. And I am the one sibling, (laughs) we won't talk about the other sibling, but the one sibling that doesn't mind talking about end of life, doesn't mind talking about, hey, what medications are you taking? Where are your passwords? Let's talk about this so we can get this stuff figured out. Uh, and the beauty of it is my parents are pretty open with communication to us. And so my mom brought it up to me that, hey, dad's having some memory issues. He seems to be blanking out on some things. And three of his sisters all developed dementia and Alzheimer's. So it's a family issue, right? How, when I was starting to take a look and watch him, all of a sudden I realized there were a couple of things that were some gaps. We were doing some work and then we jumped in the car to go to the store and two minutes down the road, he's like, hey, where are we going? I'm like, oh. dad, remember we're going to such and such? So we had that conversation. I was like, okay, that really bothers me. So I started digging into it a little bit, found out he was taking a specific medication just to help him sleep Ah. that my aunt was taking for 10 years. 
Her doctor told her, just take this to help you sleep. It's a name brand medication I won't mention on the air. I'm sure that we can get information about it, but it is linked to dementia. It is linked to Alzheimer's. And he had been taking it for about two years to help him sleep. So I immediately said, you need to stop taking that and let's look at something else because he took it on the advice of his sister. After he stopped taking that a month later, he was clear again. Oh it my took God. a little while, but you don't have to have that. And without that communication from my parents to me or me saying, hey, dad, let's sit down and talk and find out what's going on. And that was 12 years ago and he's still with us and he's doing fine. Oh, no memory good issues. Good to hear. Thank you for sharing causing. that. It's oh, that is really, good. Yeah, I think we are an over-medicated society and I think mm-hmm. that that particular piece is very important. I will add one thing from a gender perspective. It is much harder for women to bring those things up than it is for men. Mm-hmm. And so I would just, if you're doing this for a female member of your family or for somebody, uh, push harder. Oh, it's just, I've seen it happen. The data is out there. So it's true for all of us. But again, there are some nuanced differences when you're supporting somebody who's female versus male. Yeah. Well, and also for females, nutrition. Mm -hmm. I've seen toast. I had toast for lunch, toast and soup. I've seen that. And happily, we've been able to help an individual recently when we realized every time we talked to her, she was having toast and soup. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So open communication. Thank you so much for being here. And of course, Barbara, thank you so much for facilitating this and bringing this to the audience, bringing Mim to the audience and just an incredible amount of wealth of information. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. And of course, our last thank you is reserved for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Keeping the Well and Wealthy with Barbara Archer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Barbara comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to go out in the world and make a difference. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Wealth Advisors. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Wealth Advisors is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained 
obtained from the use of this information. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity's specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.